Good morning, I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, we're talking with Dr. Catherine Sherrod, psychologist here in Nashville, and we're going to talk about our mental health as we head into the holiday season. Absolutely. Welcome back. Thank you. One of my favorite guests ever. Always nice to be here. Let's talk about maybe what you're seeing in your patients. What, what are you seeing in people who are needing to talk and work things out? Okay, well, some people are sort of dreading the holidays, mm-hmm. as often happens. And some people are so excited for the holidays so that they can get together with people. Mm-hmm. And that's confusing for, for a lot of people. They don't understand why some people love the holidays and some people hate the holidays. It doesn't make sense. But if you look at it from the perspective of the holidays are fairly intense. And oh. if you've been having a happy set of experiences, then to have an intense experience increases your happy experiences. But if you've been having a set of unhappy experiences, then having an intense time increases the intensity of your unhappy experiences. So that's why people have such diverse reactions to the holidays, because if things have been going well, they look forward to them with excitement. And if things have been going badly, they kind of look forward to them with total dread. What can we do if we're looking at the holidays with dread at the bottom of most people's distress with the holidays there's a concern about what they might be doing wrong what's wrong with me why don't i enjoy the holidays everybody's supposed to enjoy the holidays i hate them so there's a question about why don't i have the relationships i want why is my family so difficult why 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 and it's beneficial for people to realize that some people come from really difficult backgrounds and they don't get along with family members in the way they would like to. They're perhaps not supported uh, in ways that are important to them and they haven't learned really valuable aspects of developing and holding relationships. So we find that when people quit blaming themselves for what they might have done wrong and instead learn to deal with what is, their lives can improve. So sometimes you benefit from celebrating the holidays with your family of choice, not your family of origin. Whoa. You said supported them in the way that was important to them. Ways that were important to them, right. In ways that are important to them. What does that mean? Some people want to be listened to. So when they are around friends or family members, they just want to be able to talk about what's going on with them. Talking is actually a way that they process information, a way way that they connect with other people. For other people, doing things together is a way of connecting. So going to the movies, going to a concert, going ice skating, but doing things is the way to connect. And for other people, cooking together is important. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging when what you want is not what the people around you want. And it, I just encourage people to look for other people who have similar interests to theirs and to realize that if there's somebody who's really important to you, who is there for you in a lot of ways, but not in this one way, you might want to find a friend who is available to you in that way that the other person isn't. So Oh, not not that you're developing a competing relationship, but that you're developing a supplementary relationship. Mm -hmm. 
it's almost impossible to find one person who does everything you want them to do, is available to you in every way you want them to be. Right. We want everyone else to be perfect, although we sure aren't. Something like that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when you realize that there's probably not going to be anybody in your world who does everything you want, then it's a perfectly reasonable and, and necessary part of relationships to have multiple relationships so that I go to concerts with this person Mm -hmm. and I talk about the books I'm reading with that person. It might be the same person. They might be different people. Yeah. Um, And I might go shopping or hiking with another set of people. Yeah. So that with a whole group of people, I get all my needs met, but I'm responsible for making sure that all my needs met. No one person It's going to be everything to me. And they are not responsible for making sure you get your needs met. Not really. Even though we might like somebody else to be responsible for making sure we get our needs met, it's really hard to mind read. And so other people frequently don't know as clearly what we need as we would like them to know. And even if we told them, they don't necessarily understand because that is not something they need. Yes, it's not what is valuable to them. Right. So they often can't even hear it. And rather than imagining that that person is being difficult with us, sometimes it's helpful to think that person doesn't understand us because it doesn't make sense to them. But that doesn't mean that they don't care about us. True. They're just not capable of understanding everything we want them to understand. Do you find that some of us, because I know I was this way and still probably am in some ways, unaware of really what I do need? Actually, yes. I think you might be amazed at the number of people who don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say that's one of the things that happens in therapy is someone might be talking about a direction they want to go in or something they want to avoid from now on. And one of my jobs is to help people identify what's really probably going to work for them, what's their passion and what they do, but it's drudgery. And so... Wait, wait, wait. But it's drudgery. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people will do things that are drudgery because they think they ought to. Oh, you're right. I mean, not that we don't all have to wash dishes and do things that most of us don't totally enjoy. (laughs) So some things are drudgery, but you kind of want to keep that limited as much as possible. And you don't want your main focus in life to be drudgery, really. You kind of want it to be something that you really want to do. And that you have a passion for and you find enjoyable in some way. That you have a passion for and that you find enjoyable and that even though they're aspects of it that are drudgery, they're worth it because you're getting to do these other things that are so important. So sometimes we set ourselves up to take the path of most resistance. Unfortunately, that's true. Sometimes there are people who think that if it's not hard, it's not valuable. And I try to encourage people to move in a direction that's relatively easy for them because the direction that's relatively easy for them is probably what they're good at. Yes. So can we please just make things as easy as possible for ourselves. And and we're not talking about spending all day playing games online necessarily. Yes, I'm talking about pursuing a career that makes sense to you. And if you find yourself playing games all day online and doing nothing else, I want to know who's feeding you. I want to know who's providing the game machine or the computer on which you're doing this. Um, Because it sounds like you're not taking care of yourself, really. Somebody else probably is. Yeah. I think during the holidays, people may find different ways to escape. True. Because things do seem intense. 
Mm-hmm. What can we do or should we find ways to escape? I was going to say, what can we do to, to kind of remain present and and help ourselves have a, a you know, as a pleasant an experience as possible, whatever we choose to do, right. maybe first make better choices, but then, or do we need to find some escapes? Well, I think that when you reach a certain level of discomfort, you probably need to do something different and escape is the immediate fix. So if you find yourself in situations from which you want to escape, then it's fair to go ahead and escape them at the moment. Mm -hmm. But it's also helpful to inform yourself that you needed to escape. And so can you find a more effective way to handle that situation rather than escaping. And that would be something you do more in the long term. You'd figure that out and you'd deal with it. In the short term, sometimes escape is not such a bad choice. (laughs) (laughs) So like, do you have an example of something that I'm going to escape for right now and then figure out how to deal with it later? What would that... A situation Mm -hmm. that... Okay. Give us an idea. Um, For some people and their families... There's a lot of drinking that goes on over the holidays and sometimes a lot of arguing. And for people who just don't want to be exposed to that anymore today, going to a movie is a fair escape. Going for a drive is a fair escape or would be if gas weren't so expensive. (laughs) Calling a friend, playing a video game, really. Any reasonable use of your time is a way to give you a short term escape. Going for a walk. Yeah. Maybe use the excuse the dog needs to go out. I'll take take the dog for a walk. How helpful of me. <laughs> He's been out five times today. <laughs> oh, didn't notice that. <laughs> and so then in the long term to say, what was it about that situation that I found so overwhelming? How did I get overwhelmed in that situation? Rather than saying it was the situation that was overwhelming. Of course, I got overwhelmed. They were arguing. They were drinking. What did you expect me to do? And my answer is, I don't expect anybody to do anything. But you were the one who got overwhelmed and wanted to leave. The other people were staying there. So clearly, they weren't overwhelmed. It wasn't the situation that was overwhelming. It was your reaction to it. What was that about? What was going on for you? How do you want to deal with that? So I might experience frustration that this is the way it always happens. Yes. And so and so is obnoxious and they keep asking me about when I'm gonna pop them out some grandbabies and whatever. So Exactly. You're 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 figuring out what kind of triggered you. What what triggered you? Exactly. You have a couple of choices. One is not to go back to visit this family again. Another one is to figure out what your triggers are and kind of remove the connections to them. What? So that people can continue to ask you these unpleasant questions and you go, haven't figured that out yet. Remove the connections to the trigger. To the tr- so they're pushing a button, but that button no longer works. That, right. That button no longer works. It's not getting to you. So when they ask you, when are you going to pop out grandchildren? You go, gee, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When you say it that way, I'm not inviting any further conversation. Just saying, gee, I don't know. I have no energy invested in that. I have no energy invested in that. Right. Because that is often what happens. Somebody says something or does something and we jump in with everything we've got. And then we wonder why we're exhausted and frustrated later. Exactly. Because we did have a trigger button that they could push and that trigger went somewhere. Take the batteries out of this one. It's not going to work anymore. (laughs) And, And then when they push the button and it doesn't go anywhere... They quit pushing the button. It's boring. Whoa. You didn't jump up and run out of the room. You were fairly bored with the question. Oh, my it's goodness. Like, 
gee, I don't know, I'll, I'll let you know when I figure it out, or something that indicates that you heard the question and you have no interest in it whatsoever. We're talking right now with Nashville psychologist Dr. Catherine Sherrod about getting through the holidays with a little less stress, with a little more satisfaction, a little more peace of mind. And it sounds like mostly we're just bringing it back to us. Always always uh, comes back to us. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's not everybody else is screwed up. (laughs) And you said a lot of us feel like, what's wrong with me? And that's where we get triggered. That's what our triggers are virtually always connected to. Really? Is when you bring up this subject, I feel bad in some way. I feel sad in some way. What's wrong with me? Why am I not popping out grandbabies? Why, why am I not popping out grandbabies? Why haven't I finished my college degree? Why haven't I gotten a promotion? Why, whatever, why am I? And so when we're invested in having a different answer, then we become upset when somebody asks us the question. Oh, because then we feel pretty badly about ourselves and we're defensive and we don't believe we can legitimately say, what kind of a jerk are you for asking me that question? So (laughs) we just show that they're a jerk for asking that question because we get upset, we get angry, we get frustrated, we go out and we slam the door. So we show them by our actions that they were a jerk, not understanding that we're simply revealing that we got triggered. And, that and that's all us. And that we've got something going on inside ourselves. Possibly always. unresolved about that. Yeah, yeah, always. It's like, I'm not going to have them. Or, it, or exactly, right. Oh, um, yeah, maybe I forgot to tell you I'm not going to have children. Mm-hmm. And And it's just that tone of voice with no particular interest in it. This is This is my decision. I have actually have an interest in the subject. I have no interest in discussing it with you. Okay. So the root of a lot of our, our issues and our triggering is, is the why and what's wrong with me. Because we're hearing if they're asking the question, they want us to have done something different. Oh, we should have had children by now. We should have finished our degree. We should have gotten a promotion. Yes. We should have whatever it is we should have done. And that means that they're saying, implying whatever, that we're not enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not hardworking enough. We're not mm-hmm. whatever. So even if somebody says, you look pretty comfortable there, like you're not planning to help with the meal. <laughs> and one answer is, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. If I react to that and I get upset, then I've simply shown that I got triggered by that. Because I kind of felt like maybe... I should have. I sh- I guess I should have. I bought into it. They said <laughs> it. I I I have no defense. But if I'm not going to react to that kind of approach, then I might just say, "Yeah, yeah, this is great." <laughs> I'm gonna, Catherine, I'm going to practice that <laughs> all holiday. Everybody's going to go. You look comfortable. I'm. I am. <laughs> Do you find that overindulgence that we tend to do uh, at the end of the year, especially, can lead to more issues between family and friends? Because you mentioned alcohol, a lot of a lot of right. drinking, a lot of partying, like right. toasting and then the wine and then the just everybody's kind of that celebratory mood. Right. Does that seem to lead to more issues or does it lead to issues surfacing? Probably leads to issues surfacing as much as anything else. But the wine, alcohol, any kind of alcohol, I mean, alcohol is a depressant. Um, it has a 
class for a reason. And the reason is it tends to help people feel depressed. Mm. We believe that it helps us feel freer. I'm the life of the party. Uh, Yeah. Actually, what happens is the first part of the brain that it depresses is the cerebral cortex, which tends to be inhibitory. So if you depress an inhibitory part of the brain, you are freed from some of your inhibitions. And so you feel as if you're being freed. But the effect of alcohol is always the same. It's a depressant, and it just depends on which part of the brain it's depressing, what effect you're going to get. Oh. And then if you, I've jumped a few steps, but if you keep drinking until it depresses the part where you breathe, then you die. Uh, it will only depress the brain. Yeah. Uh, no matter what you feel like is happening all the way through. But at any rate. So it, it tends to make people feel sadder and more irritable um, and a whole bunch of fairly unpleasant things. So that can be a problem uh-huh. to say nothing of feeling dehydrated and my head hurts and I didn't sleep very well last night. And uh-huh. the whole bunch of things that alcohol will trigger, making people a little more irritable <laughs> for the next morning. Oh, and then it kind of starts over again. Yeah. So that's one of the things you want to watch out for, which is very different from having a glass of wine with dinner, which doesn't seem to have that effect because it gets merged with the food and the hopefully the water you drank mm-hmm. and and since it depresses the part of the brain that controls inhibitions, you feel less inhibited about maybe criticizing people. That would be correct. Or right. about, yeah. you know, saying, here's what I really think. Exactly. If if you have not learned how to communicate more effectively, if you have not learned that your criticisms are actually yours, not about somebody else's behavior. So if I criticize you for something you've chosen to do or something you've chosen not to do, I might believe that my criticism is legitimate, not realizing that it's just my opinion. You know, the old line that beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Yes. So is laziness. So is disrespect. So So is rudeness. So is ugliness. Most everything is in the eye of the beholder. So when I tell you what you should be doing differently, I forget. That's just my perspective. That's not about you. That's actually about me. You have helped my new husband more than you even know. Okay. Because he's heard the focus interviews that we've done through the (laughs) years. Yeah. And I've talked to him about the things that you and I discuss on the show. Okay. Today, just today, I was putting something in the refrigerator and he said, call that so-and-so instead of such and such. Because okay. when I see that, I get confused. And I said, you do, but it was something very simple, like you, you can't tell that that's still right cake or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you do? And he said, yeah. And then he said, wait. He said, it really doesn't matter what it's called because I know it's in there and I know what it looks like. He said, so never mind. And I said, that was a lovely conversation you just had with yourself because he realizes uh-huh. That it is just his opinion, and in many cases, yeah. what he's really trying to say, you need to do it this way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's getting done. It's working. And he right. just had this right. other thought in his head that we need to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And he pulled himself back. And I just thought, <laughs> I said, I'm going to talk to Dr. Sherrod tonight, <laughs> and I'm going to tell her. <laughs> well, that that's great. And and that's that's what we want people to do, is to pull back and say, wait a minute, what's going on with me? Not what did you just do, but what's going on with me? And I do get to ask you to lower your voice and don't yell at me or 
it sounds like when you raise your voice, you're yelling at me and you go, oh, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. So we can ask for people to make changes, but it's important to say that this is something I would like, not necessarily that you're doing it wrong, but it's a challenge for me to deal with. Mm -hmm. So if you could move in this direction, that would be helpful for me. Because otherwise, that person is hearing you're doing it wrong, and there's that trigger again. Exactly. And there's that button getting and, pushed and that's, again. And that's where we get off. So someone was talking to me recently and saying, a person did this, and it really offended me, and they did it to throw it in my face, and this is what they did. And I was thinking to myself, well, maybe it was all of ill intent, mm-hmm. But I could just as easily believe the person was trying to make sure you had that information, not that they were rubbing it in your face, but they're detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And they were just kind of going over to make sure you had this because it was important to you to have that information. And they were just covering all the bases, Mm -hmm. not necessarily rubbing your face in it. Those are very different things. But the behavior was the same. Right. It was here are the facts. And so... When we notice somebody doing something and we believe that we know why they did it, we're, we're mind reading. You did that because you were trying to put me down. No, actually, I just was putting the coat over there. I didn't. Right. Know. Right. You were trying to prove to me that here's where I need to put the coats. Exactly. Oh. So. Again, the mind reading. Again, the mind reading. So. It can be helpful to say, when you put your coat over there, I was hearing you say, I was gathering that you think that's what I should do. And the person could say, exactly. Or, actually, I never thought about it. It's just where I wanted to put my coat. Mm -hmm. You put your coat where it's convenient for you. So we don't necessarily know what the meaning is of what somebody does. And frequently, it doesn't have nearly the meaning we put into it. One of the things that you've taught me, and I hope I word it correctly, is that my life feels smoother and happier when I focus more on why I'm doing what I'm doing <laughs> and knowing what I'm doing, because right. a lot of it is it's unintentional. True. Uh, it's right. It's I don't know why I did that a certain way or said that a certain way until or unless I focus on right. it and think, think about, about it. it. Right. And then sometime I realize it was something that was modeled to me by my parents. Frequently. Yeah. I had a psychologist friend who's Parents used to always say, you know, if you lie, your nose will grow or your face will freeze in that position. And he said he heard himself say that to one of his kids, but he meant it. And he's like, I don't believe I just did that. (laughs) (laughs) I know better than this. I don't believe I just did that. Your face is going to freeze in that position. Oh, my word. Wow. Ron and I took pre-marriage counseling. Yeah. And one of the things that the counselor talked about was... Our childhood, and uh-huh. they had a questionnaire. Right. And it was like things that uh, your parents did. We uncovered through all of this the fact that Ron's mom, and we've talked about it lots of times, that we never put it together that that was what was going on in our lives. His mom was very critical. Like uh-huh. He would come over to clean the house. Instead of saying, thank you, she would tell him they're doing it wrong. Right. And Ron had told me several times. He said, like, I could do nothing right. He swallowed that whole thing hook line and sinker i'm an idiot and i can do nothing right you get told enough times and you buy it and he said i hated it she only criticized only ever criticized and then we realized he he said it that when i for example would i handed him a napkin at dinner right handed it over and he said handed it to me backwards it's hard to pick up and then he went 
Uh oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what have I just done? He said, I just criticized you for something I should thank you for. Nice and, and awareness. He, and he realized, he said, and I wow. hated that when my mom did it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we do it. Yeah. And once you know it, though, once you learn a right. little more about yourself and right. possibly about your parents' behaviors that you say, I hated, are you doing them? Correct. It helps you move forward. And sometimes between couples, rather than saying you just criticized me when you should have said thank you, it's helpful to have a hand signal. I mean, it could be a timeout. Oh, it could good. be just anything. Right. So anything that is not directly saying what you just did, but then the person goes, I did it, didn't I? And you go, kind of. <laughs> That's good. You, then you don't have to argue about it. You're you're helping each other yeah. move forward rather than fighting about it. Like, replay that, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what did you mean to say? <laughs> did you hear what you just said? <laughs> right. Right. You idiot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we, we don't. Right. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so can you give us kind of some general rules for the holidays paying attention to how you get overwhelmed if you get overwhelmed so if you tend to get overwhelmed after a day and a half with your family you probably don't want to stay five days (laughs) you merely might want to take a break in the middle so i'm going to go visit aunt matilda for the middle day and then i'll come back so you've got two days in the front which you can handle and then a day away and then two days at the back end and maybe that works for you or fi- just figure out your patterns rather than deciding ahead of time what you should be able to deal with oh i've got this five-day visit planned it's going to be hell but i'm going to do it exactly right i'm going to grit my teeth and i'm just going to be mad and you're going to say something and then i'm going to unload on you because it's your fault that i'm mad so rather than doing that, look at your pattern and find out something that works for you. And if somebody says, you can't seriously take off a day in the middle of our visit to visit Aunt Matilda. And you go, yeah, actually, I can seriously. Yeah. Um, is there anything you wanted me to take over for while I'm going? Yeah. Don't let it trigger you. Don't let it trigger you. Just do your thing. Yeah. This, this is what I'm doing. And I feel fine about it because I recognize that this will Mm -hmm. help me enjoy my visit with you. And whether you appreciate or not, that's really not my problem. I'm not responsible for how you react when I go visit Aunt Matilda. Would you remind people about whose responsibility (laughs) for happiness? Because I know a lot of times this is the time of year. Some people, women, seems like more women than men, Take on this huge responsibility for making things wonderful for everyone else. There are those among us who think that they can make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to bake the cookies you want and I'm going to be friendly and I'm going to create activities and I'm going to do all these things. And if you enjoy doing that, more power to you, do it all. <laughs> but if you're doing it because you should do it, not because you enjoy doing it, it's probably not going to work out nearly as well as you think it is. We're all responsible as adults. We're all responsible for our own happiness. And I did want to throw in the correction as adults because kids really are kind of dependent on the adults around them. Uh, so they're, they're a different group of people and they can be adversely affected by our bad moods. Sure. But for all of us adults, we're responsible for our own happiness and it's not possible to arrange things so that everybody's going to be happy. And it's not reasonable to wear ourselves out trying to make other people happy 
when we just wind up frazzled. And then typically what happens is one year is just, I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm done. And nobody understands because you didn't give any signals that you were becoming worn out. Oh. But I thought you loved having 30 people in your house to cook for them for three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) So. Yes. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And the issue of presents can also be buying presents for people, receiving presents. I told you I wanted a necklace and you bought me this instead of that. Clearly, you don't love me. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, please let's not play this game. If you loved me, you would have listened to me because I dropped hints about the new scarf I wanted or the new whatever. Right. I find that we read hints very badly, (laughs) most of us. We read minds very badly. Mm -hmm. And when someone says, well, I have if I have to tell you what I want, it doesn't count. I'm like, well, then nothing counts because you're asking people to do something they can't do. And then you're getting mad at them for not being able to do it, which is reading your mind. And you might be really, really good at listening to hints and buying people what you have heard they wanted. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're really good at it doesn't mean everybody else should keep up with you. If I'm Picasso, I don't get to look at the whole rest of the world and say, why can't you hold a brush? (laughs) So... So if you really want somebody to know what you want, words are a really good choice. (laughs) Any final thoughts as we're wrapping up, Catherine? Yeah, the final thought is that everybody goes into the holidays wanting to enjoy being with people. So when you were saying that sometimes people, Ron's mother, would criticize instead of saying thank you, if we would reverse that, if we would make a specific effort to at least three times a day Tell somebody something they did that you appreciate, a specific something. Really appreciated that cup of coffee you offered me this morning. It was, it was just perfect. Something small. It doesn't have to be yeah. a, a big deal. So it's so small, you think, well, you don't have to say anything about that. No, you don't have to. But most people appreciate appreciation. So mm-hmm. just little, little things throughout the day, throughout the visit, can actually make a big difference. Thank you. You're always so wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. I love being here. I love your questions. (laughs) Nashville psychologist, Dr. Catherine Sherrod. We're going to put the link so you can get in touch with her. (laughs) You may need her sometime soon on our Focus Facebook page. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.